This morning we get to celebrate in baptism. So if you guys will have a seat and turn your attention to the baptistry. Well, good morning. It is always great to welcome you from the baptistry. Now, I know what you're thinking. I'm revealing a little secret here that a lot of Baptist preachers have. I, uh... I have a robe that I usually wear, but apparently we had a leak, and uh, it's not just white to this morning. And I got to thinking, you know, John the Baptist, he wore uh, he wore camel's hair, so 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 a little camouflage here this morning is not totally unbiblical. 
Um, and I thank you. I thank you. We are, but we're going to celebrate baptism anyway. And if you got nothing else to laugh at this week, you can laugh at me. In fact, you can do that every week because you ought to laugh from time to time anyway. Um, but we're going to celebrate with uh, with baptism. And so first this morning, we have Miss Jessica Stroud going to join us. All right. And, um, well, most of you that have been part of the church for a little while, you you know Jessica. Her and her family are part of, the, part of our church for quite some time. And a couple weeks ago, Jessica came down, came down front and, and uh, just told me, said, uh, Pastor BJ, I've been I've been a Christian for a long time. I was I, I accepted Christ uh, was 12, 12 years old, um, and so I'm I not going to say how long ago that was. Um, and uh, but but she said I accepted Christ when I was twelve years old, but I never followed through in baptism, and I know I need to get that right. And I said, well, let's get it right. And so she's going to be baptized today. We're going to celebrate with her. Um, but not just her, her family as well. So if you're part of Jessica's family, I want you, if you would, please stand so we can all recognize who you are. You've been part of the, you've been part of her faith journey. All right, all right. Well, Jessica, uh, can you can you tell me and and everybody here what is your confession of faith? I've accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. All right, all right. Amen. Well, Jessica, based on that confession. It is my pleasure, my sister, to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, buried with Christ and raised to walk in the newness of life. Amen. All right, and we have another candidate this morning, David, Let's see about ready. David Rogers, and he has, he and his family have been uh, worshiping with us for uh, for quite some time now as well. Um, here comes David, and David uh, the other night or the other day came and, and and talked to to some of us and his family and said that he had accepted Christ to be his Lord and Savior, um, and so. You know, I, 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 went, I went over to your house, and we talked back last year sometime around Thanksgiving. We talked about some of that, and then uh, about a month ago, you were watching a movie, right? Watching a movie with your family. And the reason I share that with you folks is because, man, I love it when families take the opportunity to share their faith outside of the walls of the church. And we talk about the things of the gospel in our homes. Uh, that is Deuteronomy 6. That is Deuteronomy 6. Wherever we go, we get up, we lie down, we walk along the way, we teach the commandments of the Lord. And so he was watching a movie with his family, and after that movie, said, hey, I think I, I need to be saved. And so right there in his living room, prayed to receive Christ. And uh, David is a seventh grader at Madras Middle School, and so uh, we, we celebrate with him this morning as well as his family. If you're part of David's family, would you please stand? to recognize and honor you as well. Dad in the back, mom's up here, uh, grandma and brother. So awesome, awesome. Well, David, I just want to ask you, what is your confession of faith? I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Amen, amen. All right, well, David, based on that confession, it is, it is my privilege to baptize you, uh, 
baptized. I baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, buried with Christ and raised to walk in the newness of life. Amen. All right, take it. Man, what a great way to start off a worship service. I am so excited. And I have a question for you, church. If you've not been through the baptism of waters, um, what's keeping you? What's holding you back? What's keeping you from joining with so many others? There's nothing in this water that saves. I turned on the tap this week and we heated it up. And, uh, but there's nothing in this water that saves. But oh, it's a symbol. It's a symbol of being identified with Jesus Christ as he went in the tomb and was buried and he came forward and resurrected you too. It's a symbol of new life in Jesus. And so I would love for you to join me one day or someone else one day in the, in the, in the baptistry. Uh, I'm going to pray, uh, pray for us. And then as soon as I finish praying, I do want to say thank you to if you are especially, if you're a guest of ours uh, for joining us at, at Northside, uh, we're going to take a time in just a moment after I pray to uh, greet one another. There's a, there's a portion of your bulletin that if you're a guest, we'd love for you to fill that out and let us know who you are. We have a record of your visit, how we can minister to you and follow up with you. Um, and so you can, you can tear that out, fill it out, place it in the offering plate, or give it to a minister at the end of the service at, at the back doors. Uh, but let's, let's pray. Father, I want to thank you every time that we get to open up the baptistry. Father, because that means eternal life, new life that someone else Someone else will be able to spend eternity, not just with those of us who have done so before, but with your son, Jesus. God, thank you. Thank you for sending him the perfect, blameless sacrifice, the perfect, blameless lamb of God who took on our sin that we may gain his righteousness. And Father, I just want to thank you for those who have uh, chosen to follow him uh, in, in the last few weeks, to follow through in baptism. May we continue to honor you today as we worship you in spirit and in truth. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Please stand and greet one another. Blessed be your name. 
of baptism that we get to come here and, rev and just celebrate the joining of you in the church. Lord, um, I pray for the tithes and offerings that you will further your kingdom with them. In your name, amen.
our blessed Redeemer. Sing, O earth, his wonderful love proclaim. Hail him, hail him, highest archangels in glory. Strength and honor give to his holy name. Like a shepherd, Jesus will guard his children. In his arms, he carries him all day long. Praise him, praise him, tell of his excellent greatness. Praise him, praise him, ever in joyful song. Praise him, praise him, Jesus our blessed Redeemer. For our sins, he suffered and bled and died. He our rock, our hope of eternal salvation. Hail him, hail him, Jesus the crucified. Sound his praises, Jesus who bore our sorrows. Love unbounded, wonderful, deep, and strong. Praise him, praise him, tell of his excellent greatness. Praise him, praise him ever in joyful song. Praise him, praise him, Jesus our blessed Redeemer. Heavenly portals, loud with hosannas ring. Jesus, Savior, reign it forever and ever. Crown him, crown him, prophet and priest and king. Christ is coming. Over the world victorious, power and glory unto the Lord belong. Praise him, praise him, tell of his excellent greatness. Praise him, praise him, ever in joyful song. Oh, wow, looking at some of the back rows, I feel like I'm back in high school. Uh, visitors, it is great to have you here today. Um, 25 years ago, a pretty girl invited me to church. Not nearly as pretty as my wife, but I was in high school, so who was I to deny a young lady the invitation to church? I showed up at church. Long story short, eventually the girl left, uh, but I met today's speaker, Pastor Danny Wilson. Uh, from that moment, he's been like a second father to me. He's been a mentor to me. Uh, I, along with about 20 other men, have answered the call to ministry under his pastorate. Uh, so if you don't like the way I preach, he's the man to blame. No. Uh, what you get is all me. Uh, but Pastor Wilson has been in the ministry for the last 30 years, 35 years. Uh, he is a God-called man, no doubt. So, Pastor, you come, lay what God has laid upon your heart. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. I tell you what, I appreciate the opportunity to be with you this morning and the privilege that is mine to share the Word of God with you. Thank you again for the invitation. We're going to be in John chapter 2, as you can tell on the screen. If you can go there with me, please, John chapter 2. Looking at verses 13 through 17. And in our passage for today, we see an emotion displayed by Jesus that is rarely found in the Bible. And that emotion is anger. He doesn't do it very often, but as you're going to see, he gets really, really mad. 
But our focus this morning should not really be on his anger. Instead, I want us to see why he was so angry. What caused it? What was the reason behind it? That's much more important because at times the Lord could be angry for the same reason even today. Please keep that in mind as we study God's Word. So I want to pray for a moment, and then we're going to take a look at a very angry Jesus. We'll be in John chapter 2, but also please find Deuteronomy chapter 16. John chapter 2, Deuteronomy chapter 16. Let me pray for just a moment. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this church and this community and what it means to this community, Lord. Thank you for the people of this church. Father, thank you for the opportunity to gather in your house around your word. And I just pray that you'll make it clear that we'll see what you want us to see and learn what you want us to learn. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, John chapter 2, verse 13. The first thing we see is Passover. Look what it says in verse 13. Now the Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. I want us to understand the significance and the importance of Passover. It'll help us understand why Jesus gets so angry. If you found Deuteronomy, look back there just for a second, please. Chapter 16, and look at verse 1 through 6. We're talking about Passover. Deuteronomy 16, 1 through 6. Here's what it says. Observe the month of Abib and keep the Passover to the Lord your God. Here's why. For the, the month of Abib, the Lord your God brought you out of Egypt by night, that is, out of slavery. Therefore, you shall sacrifice the Passover to the Lord your God from the flock and the herd in the place where the Lord chooses to put his name. You shall eat no leavened bread with it. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread with it, that is, the bread of affliction. For you came out of the land of Egypt in haste, that you may remember the day in which you came out of the land of Egypt all the days of your life. And no leaven shall be seen among you in all your territory for seven days. Nor shall any of the meat which you sacrifice the first day at twilight remain overnight until morning. You may not sacrifice the Passover with any of your gates which the Lord your God gives you. Watch verse 6. But at the place where the Lord God chooses to make his name abide, there you shall sacrifice the Passover at twilight, at the going down of the sun at the time you came out of Egypt. So every year on the anniversary of escaping from Egypt, we see that the Jews were to observe, to celebrate, and remember what God had done for them. He brought them out of bondage, brought them out of slavery. He led them through the Red Sea and through the wilderness, and he brought them to their new home in the Promised Land. And folks, as believers, you and I have much to celebrate and remember as well. Let me remind us, the Lord brought us out of bondage. We were slaves to sin, amen? And he took us through the wilderness of hopelessness. And he brought us into the promised land of deliverance and salvation and ultimately to our new home in heaven. 
Brother, we've been just as blessed as the Jews were. And I want you to understand, please, that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, he is our Passover because he is our deliverer, he is our provider, and he is our salvation. So, Passover. I want us to see now in this scripture in Deuteronomy that Passover was not to be celebrated in just any place. Remember what it said? It was to take place in a location that God chose for his name. At that time, it would have been a temple or a synagogue. Today, for our Passover, which is the celebration of our salvation, it also should be in a place that bears God's name. That is in his church, in his sanctuary, right here in Northside Baptist Church. And as you will see, the Lord's anger ought to remind us of the holiness of God's house, his church. We've got to remember that Jesus died for the church. He didn't die for the building, but he died for the people. You and I are the church. As believers in Jesus Christ, we are the church of the living God. In fact, the Bible says that we are the body of Christ. But we do gather here and we worship here in this building this is a place that bears his name and it bears his presence uh, I need to be reminded this morning that he is here right now in the person of the Holy Spirit and you know what that makes this a very holy place you and I have gathered this morning on holy ground now Jesus was a Jew so he went to Jerusalem for this great day of celebration and when he got there, he probably expected to find a very holy and a very solemn remembrance of this important event in the life of the Jews because it was so important. But that's not what he found when he got there. Verse 14, they were actually doing business in the temple. Look at verse 14. He found in the temple those who sold oxen and sheep and doves and the money changers doing business. In the temple, animals are everywhere, auction and sheep and doves. The temple of God, the holy temple of God, had become a marketplace. Notice it said the money changers were there. Now, these guys were part of the selling of animals which would be used as sacrifices. And the people would have traveled there would be from different towns and they would have brought their own currency with them and they would exchange their money for the local currency that's why they're called money changers and that would allow these guys to charge a fee or a tax and maybe even cheat a little bit during the exchange of the currencies now we ought to think for just a moment about our own churches as we read this uh, we got to be very careful with buying and selling in the church. You know, a lot of churches have collections of food and clothing for those in need, and they ask for donations from ministries like Lottie Moon and Annie Armstrong and Christmas shoe boxes. And, brother, all of those are legitimate. They help people. That is not buying and selling. But here in the temple in Jerusalem, God's house we see was filled 
with buying and selling. And I want you to see now, please, in verse 15 and 16, a very angry Jesus. Look at verse 15. When he, when Jesus had made a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen and poured out the changer's money and overturned the tables. Jesus is mad. Can't you just see him? Look what it said. He made a whip of cords. He drove them all out of the temple with the animals and poured out the money and overturned the tables. He was mad. We don't read that he hit anyone with the whip. It was just a sign of his authority. But can't you see him just cleaning house, driving away the money changers, setting loose the animals, pouring out the money, and turning over the tables? You know what I thought about? For Jesus to drive people away from church is so significant. We say that all people are welcome in God's house, and they are. But not all behavior is welcome in the church. Truth is, some things just are not appropriate. That's what we see in this passage. And then the Lord explains himself. Look at verse 16. He said to those who sold doves, take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of merchandise. The temple of God had been defiled by the buying and the selling and the changing of money. And the Lord was angry at how the temple was being used. Well, folks, i got to tell you something. Speaking of merchandising, think with me for just a moment, if you will, about Easter and Christmas. Do you know last year on the radio, Pike Nursery, you know what they called Easter, the time of our Lord's resurrection? They called it Bunny Weekend. Bunny Weekend. Pike Nursery. They see it as nothing but a chance to make money. That's all it is to them, Bunny Weekend. And Christmas, the Lord's birthday, it's become almost nothing but buying and selling. Again, last year, Hobby Lobby put decorations on sale on August the 2nd. How does the Lord feel about that when he thinks about his resurrection weekend being called Bunny Weekend? And when he thinks about his, his birthday becoming nothing but buying and selling, i got to tell you the truth. I've almost gotten to the point, and I've been preaching over 30 years, that I dread Christmas because of all the buying and selling. Well, the Lord's drastic action here must have shocked everybody, especially his own men, his disciples. But, they remembered something from the Old Testament Scripture about zeal for your house. Look at verse 17. Then his disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house, watch this, has eaten me up. Zeal for your house has eaten me up. David said that back in Psalm 69. Zeal means intense expression. It kind of means to be excited. Jesus, like David, was eaten up with zeal for God's house. That means he was intensely committed to it. 
Oh, folks, listen to me for just a moment. If only God's people, you and I, were eaten up with zeal for the church. Amen? Sadly, many today are eaten up with indifference. They just don't care very much. Or they're just going through the motions. Others are eaten up with grumbling and complaining. Uh, listen, the church is not perfect. I said that from the pulpit. Amen? Or oh me. Is the church perfect? No, ma'am. The church is not perfect. Why? Because I'm in it. And because you're in it. So, please don't go off and join the perfect church. You'll just mess it up, all right? Not everything pleases everybody. You've probably been here long enough to learn that. But let me remind you, don't allow yourself to be lured into the trap of majoring on the minors. You ever done that? Stay focused on the overall mission of the church. What is the overall mission of the church? I, I think it's this. It's to reach people with the gospel. It's to disciple believers. It's to feed and clothe the hungry and the naked. It is to visit the sick and is to worship the Lord. Think about that with me for a moment. Reach people with the gospel. The church has got to be a witness whenever and wherever we possibly can. Disciple believers, how do we do that? You do it in Sunday school. You do it in Bible study. You do it in teaching of the Word of God. Feed and clothe the hungry and the naked. Ministries in your church ought to be supported that help. Visit the sick, the hospitals, the nursing homes, and people that are at home. It's endless. Go to the nursing home one day. And then worship the Lord right here in this house. To me, that's what church is, all of that. So you know what you ought to do and what I should do wherever I'm at in a church? We ought to examine the overall ministry of our church. Is it effective? and efficient in representing Christ and in doing his work. Those are the things that truly matter, not whether you or I get our way. Jesus was zealous for the church. We ought to be too. We ought to be zealous. We ought to be intensely excited to support the church with our prayers, with our service, with our attendance, and even our money, which is really his money, all he asks is 10%. Giving the Lord and his church your best, your very best. Why? Because he gave us his best, his very life. Can you imagine what could be done if every member lived that out? Church would be exciting, it would be rewarding, and it would be fulfilling. We ought to come to learn and to sing and to praise and to worship. And we ought to be here to serve and to go out and give and to share and, and to encourage and to fellowship and to love. All that makes up the body of Christ. Listen, please remember, this is the church of the living God. We serve a living God. Amen? How blessed we are to be here this morning, right here in this sanctuary. Please remind, be reminded once more, this is our holy of holies, okay? You're in a holy place. This is not a place to gossip and criticize. 
This is not a place to just drop in from time to time. It's not a place to fall asleep. It's not a social gathering, just a place to be seen. And it's not a place to cross your arms and frown and think, go ahead, preacher, teach me something if you can. Be surprised how many times I've seen that. As Jesus looks down on his church today from heaven, what does he see? As he sits on his heavenly throne, what might make him angry today? I thought about that. I'm no expert, but maybe the argument of traditional versus contemporary. Or maybe solo is to love attention. Or possibly pastors of mega churches who make millions. Or maybe pastors who preach nothing but health, wealth, and prosperity. Did Jesus suffer and die for that? Folks, I don't need to remind you our society is full of evil and ungodliness and it's getting worse and worse and worse. Nothing shocks me anymore. And I've thought about this. With our country falling apart spiritually and morally, think with me for just a second. It is now legal to abort babies, even those carried full term nine months when they're born. That's murder. And God's word condemns murder. We've killed over 50 million babies. Nobody even talks about it anymore. But it's illegal to pray in public schools. It's legal for those of the same sex to marry even though God's word condemns homosexuality and it says those who practice that sin will not go to heaven. I didn't say it. The Bible did. But it's illegal to make children in public schools in Connecticut recite the Pledge of Allegiance. It's legal to smoke marijuana. But it's illegal to make millionaire ballplayers stand up for the national anthem. So when you look at all of that, and again, I tell you, nothing shocks me. I don't know what's next. But when you look at all of that, what are we supposed to do? What are believers in Jesus Christ, followers of Jesus Christ, Christians, what in the world are we supposed to do? I know of only one way to deal with all of that and whatever else is coming before the Lord comes back. And the only way I know of is to make and keep our churches strong. Keep them strong, brother. For our sake, but I want to remind you, especially for the sake of our children and our grandchildren and our young people, they are being brainwashed by Satan and the demons that follow him. They're being brainwashed in all those areas that I just shared with you. I encourage you, Northside, be a strong church. Be strong right here in the pulpit. Be strong in the choir loft. Be strong in every Sunday school class. Be strong in your outreach. Be strong in your worship. Be strong in your giving. Be strong in your fellowship. Be strong in your love for one another. This community needs you to be strong. 
your children and our young people oh how they need for you to be strong give your church your best Jesus and David zeal for your house has eaten me up will you recommit yourself to your church if it means something to you if it means something to your family if it's important to your family if you believe in Northside Baptist Church our country every day again is getting more and more ungodly we desperately need strong churches in these last days desperately need them strong churches where people feel loved and welcomed strong churches that stand firm on the word of God and don't compromise it at all strong churches that help meet the needs of the poor and strong churches that will not compromise godly values no matter what the world may say pray that this church your church Northside Baptist Church will be a strong church and then please folks do all you can to make it so whatever you can do there's no little role in the church everything's important everybody's important every ministry is important everything you do is important especially I'm preaching revelation on Sunday night right now verse by verse it's my seventh or eighth time and I learn something every time folks it's going to get bad on this earth during the tribulation and the Lord Jesus could come back at any time so please do all you can in this church on these grounds in this holy of holies do all you can in the days that lie ahead be a strong church you need your church and your church needs you amen during this invitation as they come and prepare I want to invite you if God so leads while the singing or the music is going on if you feel a need to come and just come to God's altar and say Lord Northside is going to get my best Lord I'm going to recommit myself to make this place everything you want it to be I'm going to get out of the way in a moment you just come during the again during the singing and 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 just kneel if you'd like or just stand where you are or come and stand at the altar whatever it may be and please recommit yourself to your church and keep it strong God bless you have thine own snow 
wash me just now as in thy presence humbly I bow have thine own It's been good to worship in the house of the Lord. Amen. Uh, this is God's house. We are his temple. And when we leave this place, we carry the spirit of God with us. So we are to go and proclaim that good news and make disciples of those of us who are believers. Thank you, Brother Danny, for uh, your word this morning. And uh, I've got some, some, some things the Lord's working on in my heart, so appreciate that. Uh, I want to ask if you would to please be seated. Um, our Deacon Chairman Steve Holloway has something he wants to share with you. As he makes his way up, I will just remind you to look in your bulletin and pay attention to all the things that are going on this week. Um, and uh, we'll see you tonight. Yeah, just a reminder about tonight. Church conference is at 7 p.m. I had uh, said last week I was going to send out an email regarding the elder vote, and I did not, and I apologize for that. However, if you have questions or something you want to talk about in regards to that tonight in conference, you can address those before we take our vote. Um, we'll also be presenting the Constitution for review as well. No vote, just taking a look at it, discussing it, and then in the next church conference, we'll vote on it. The other thing is that next Sunday, we'll have Pastor Darrell Obar as the preacher. He is the man that we have selected as the interim pastor. So you'll be seeing him. Uh, then that afternoon from 2 to 4, we'll have a meet and greet. And and if you have any questions about supporting that, please see Ms. Robbins. I don't know the details of all that. I'm a guy. So Anyway, you'll have a chance to, to meet and greet with uh, Pastor Darrell and Miss Nancy. So um, that's about it. Thank you. Father, thanks for opportunity to be in your house today, Lord. Thank you for a place to freely and openly worship you. Uh, thank you for the message today, Lord. I pray we would commit ourselves to giving our best to this church, Lord, the best of our time, the best of our talent, um, the best of our presence. And I pray for the upcoming meetings tonight, the, the, the votes we're going to talk about. Pray those go well. Pray for all the ministries at this church, Lord. Pray we would uh, commit ourselves fully to do whatever ministry we're part of uh, for your honor and glory. Pray we'd see souls saved. Brings back safely tonight. Message in Jesus' name. 